what I'm going to do is give you to write. It facilitated the worship of Israel for over 1,000 years. Most of the Psalms were written at the time of King David, about 1,000 years B.C. Some were written at the time of Moses, 1300 B.C., and some at the time of the exile, which began in 597 B.C. The exile refers to the Chaldeans that came in under King Nebuchadnezzar, and they conquered Jerusalem and deported 10,000 of the Jews, actually the top Jews, the academics, the scientists, the artists, some of the top leading more wealthy Jews, they deported them to Babylon. Daniel was one of those. The three guys in the fiery furnace were three of those. So uh, not only are, do, do the Psalms cover the time of David and others, but they include the time of the exile. And um, so some of the Psalms and the book of Lamentations and the book of Daniel was written during that season. So the book of Psalms are a collection of Israel's best psalms and prayers. There were other psalms that Israel used that were not included in the canon. You know, the canon are the collection of sacred writings that are put together to make up our Bible. The Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in 1947 <clears throat> reveal that David wrote 4,050 psalms. <laughs> what a guy, hey? 4,050 psalms. Our book of Psalms only has 150, and half of them were written by David, either 75 or 77. The word psalm literally means to twang or to pluck, and it refers to the stringed instruments that were used to accompany the singing of the psalms. The book of Psalms, as you can probably guess, is the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. Martin Luther said the Psalms are the Bible within the Bible, the Bible in miniature, they cover the history of Israel, creation, the patriarchs, exodus, the monarchy, the exile, and the Jewish return to Jerusalem. There are also messianic psalms that point to Jesus' first coming and to his second coming. So some have not yet been fulfilled. The people of Israel used the psalms in their feasts, their fasts, their holiday celebrations, their daily worship. In them, they recounted and relived God's past victories. They committed themselves afresh to continue to obey God's commandments. They anticipated future triumphs, especially the ultimate defeat of God's enemies. I know you're familiar with Psalm 68 verse 1 that says, let God arise and all his enemies be scattered. So there are scriptures like that where they're recounting the victory of the Lord. The 4th century church father Athanasius wrote, The Psalms have a unique place in the Bible because whereas most of Scripture speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. We can open the book of Psalms and move right into lament, confession, prayer, praise, and worship. In fact, this book was intended for immediate application for the reader to sing or to pray. It wasn't really intended to just be read. It was intended to be engaged with and lived out in expression. The Psalms cover the gamut of human emotions. We see the negative emotions of fear, frustration, anger, jealousy, envy. We see the positive emotions of joy, excitement, hope, and peace. John Calvin wrote, in the Psalms we look into a mirror and we see our own heart. 
So the Psalms are broken down into five books. The first book of Psalms is chapters 1 through 41, and that's what we're going to be looking at in this semester. We will give you a week's notice about what Psalm we'll look at the next week, so you can spend some time at home reading over that, studying it, getting any insight God gives you that you can write down and bring with you to class, and hopefully every Sunday we'll have a little bit of time where we can discuss what the Lord showed us out of that psalm. So we're starting today with Psalm 1. That's the intro. Now let's get into Psalm 1. I'm going to read through this. <clears throat> we use the New King James Version. So he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So I'm going to give you about five minutes. That's not much time, but about five minutes to just talk around your table. Make sure you know everyone at your table. Swap names if you don't know names. And then just share for five minutes on this chapter. If you read it in the week and you came with some insights or thoughts, you can share those. If you haven't read it in the week but you have thoughts to share, please share those. And then I'll call time on you.
Okay, if you can wrap up your last thoughts at your table. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wasn't that good? Even for five minutes, it was good. It was worth it. Cross-pollination of ideas and thoughts and insights. Okay, so let's look at verse 1, Psalm 1, verse 1. He says, Blessed is the man or the woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. So there are blessings for the person who does not accept or walk or live in the advice or counsel or lifestyle of the ungodly. Instead, they seek counsel from the Lord and his mature people. They maintain a righteous lifestyle. I thought of something I wanted to say today. I didn't know Mark Weibel would be in here, but I was going to say this mature people, you know, in the role Reuven and I have to serve the senior adults, the buck really doesn't stop with us. We get to submit anything to Mark Weibel because he's our oversight. So even just this week, I called him about something. He quickly gave me counsel on that. So that's part of, we seek our counsel from the Lord, but we also seek counsel from mature, godly people that we know. And then the second part, there's a blessing for those who don't stand in the path of sinners. They're not influenced by them. They don't embrace their manner of speaking or living. They're separate from the way of the sinner. And then there's a blessing for those who don't sit with the scornful and skeptics. The people we choose to be with the most should be full of faith and trust in God. They should not be people that are guilty of fear and unbelief. Our friends will determine to a large extent whether or not we walk in victory. We will be influenced by their words and their behaviors, their actions. So if they are bitter and they complain and criticize, pretty soon we'll start to do the same. If they speak words of life and courage, we will do so as well. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25 say, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. So be careful who you hang around with. So that's what he's saying here. Be careful that you're not hanging around, sitting, standing, or walking with the ungodly. Of course, we do share the gospel with them. We love them. We reach out to them. We do all kinds of outreaches. But your closest relationships and associations need to be with godly people. Proverbs 1, starting around verse 10, I'm going to read just a few verses. He says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil. And that's what he's saying in Psalm 1. Stay away from the way of the wicked. And then turn with me, hold your place there, go to Proverbs 4. Going to start by reading verses 13 through 15, also supportive verses for these thoughts. Proverbs 4, 13. He says, take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. Look at verses 18 and 19. 
The path of the just, the righteous, is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the fuller day or the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So we see that as God's people, we are to live noticeably differently from the world. Our conversations and lifestyle should be in sharp contrast to theirs. Proverbs 16, verse 17 says, The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Okay, back in Psalm 1, look at verses 2 and 3. So he's contrasting uh, verse 1 with verse 2. He says, you're not going to be with the ungodly, but your delight as God's children is to delight in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So the godly man or woman delights in God's law, in his commands. He meditates on it day and night. I was thinking about this this week, and I thought how, how often we're guilty of starting our day a little bit in Scripture, maybe ending our day a little bit in Scripture, but do we meditate in it day and night? Is it a part of what goes through our mind throughout the day? The Hebrew word for meditate is hagah, and it means to reflect, to ponder, to contemplate something. The Hebrews meditated on scripture by repeating it softly while intentionally resisting all outside distractions. And from this tradition comes a type of Jewish prayer called davening. You're probably familiar with it, if, especially if you've been to Israel and to the Western Wall or the Wailing Wall, as it's commonly known. Or you've seen movies uh, with Jewish people in them, and they're davening. That's a rocking or a bowing back and forth while they pray intense prayers or recite scriptures or commune with God, they're rocking as they do that. And one of the explanations of it is that they are loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and body, their strength. Even their body is loving God as they're praising and praying. But it's a form of meditation prayer that goes all the way back to David's time. Isn't that neat? I think we all should start davening. So those who live verses 1 and 2, avoiding evil and delighting in God's law, are promised prosperity and fruitfulness. Now, prosperity in Scripture usually refers to wisdom. It can include material prosperity or financial prosperity, but it usually refers to wisdom or prudence. So as we meditate on God's Word, as we obey His commands, we're not just meditating on it, we're obeying it. We're reading to know what we need to obey. We grow in wisdom and we live fruitful lives. Verse 4 says, The ungodly are not so. They don't meditate in the Word. They're not prosperous. They're not fruit-bearing. But they're like the chaff which the wind drives away where the righteous are firmly planted by rivers of water and they're full of life, the ungodly are like chaffs. They're empty husks of grain that have no weighty substance. So there's nothing to stabilize them. When the winds of adversity come or winds of deception come, they're easily blown away. Be a scary thing to be in that place. Verse 5 says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. 
So the ungodly will not stand securely and safely in the judgment. They're like chaff. They'll be blown away. They have no footing, no standing in the judgment. And sinners will not stand in the congregation, the company, the family of the righteous. Sinners are outside the camp of the righteous, and they will forever be outside that camp. That's why it's so imperative that we share the gospel of Jesus with people so that as many as possible can come inside the camp, repent of their sin, give their lives to Jesus, and, and turn over the management of their lives to Him and make Him Lord. So they can be inside the camp of the righteous forever and ever. He says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. It's the Hebrew word yada, and it means to know intimately, to know every detail about a person. The Lord intimately knows the way of the righteous. He's aware of it. He watches the ways of the righteous. His eyes are upon them, but the way, which means path or journey, of the ungodly will perish. It will end in utter destruction and ruin. That's what the Hebrew word means. It will end up in destruction. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17, we're going to read verses 5 through 8. Jeremiah 17, 5, thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man. Boy, it's strong, isn't it? Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but his leaf will be green. He will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. So again, we see the contrast. The man who trusts in man and trusts in himself versus the man who trusts in the Lord. And the one who trusts in God does not never need to fear or be anxious in drought, but will continue to bear fruit. So when we study the Psalms, we derive a lot of great benefit. But the Psalms are most valuable when we engage with them. We discover their beauty and their power best when we read them aloud when we sing them and pray them, the Psalms can lead us into passionate praise that will glorify God. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to have a lab time. We're going to do Psalm 47. So if you would turn with me to Psalm 47. Someone told us at the end of our, our semester in May, they came up to me and said, Oh, you're in prime time. I hear that's the wild class. And I said, I don't think we're too wild, but we are intense. <laughs> we believe the word and we, we do the word. So we don't want to be people that hear it and don't do it. Passionate. Yes, passionate after the Lord. So Psalm 47, we're going to read it and do it together. Okay, I'm 
I'm just making sure you're over there. So it starts out saying, oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. We're going to clap. Yes, hallelujah. Our God reigns. Lord, we shout to you in triumph. You're a wonderful, awesome God. Blessed be your name, O oh Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. For the Lord our God is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah. Okay, last week in, in the congregational gathering, Jared had us all Selah for a minute. So let's do that. We're going to pause and think about what we just read. So look at the words and pause and think. Thank you, Lord, that you're a great king over all the earth. You are king over Afghanistan. You're king over Iraq and Iran. You're king over our nation, Canada, Mexico. You are the great king over Israel. 80. And you, yes, over Haiti, you will choose our inheritance for us. And we pray you will choose your inheritance for your people all over the earth. Okay. So I just want to tell you a quick story. On Thursday, about seven of us went to the Stony Brook of Hewitt Memory Care Ward. That's where our friend Gloria Lewis is. And as uh, we sang with them and Reuven preached about 10 minutes, and there was a sweet little man that never said amen, but he would clap real fast. At Reuven would make a good point, and he'd go like this. And boy, the first time I thought that, I saw that, I thought, I don't even know if I could clap that fast. <laughs> so I started following his lead. So Reuben would make a good point, and I'd also clap real fast. And he would clap real fast. And at one point, he gave me a little thumbs up. <laughs> so you can clap real fast if you want. Clap your hands, all you people. Or you can just clap a little bit like we do, slow motion. Okay, starting in verse 5, it says, God has gone up with a shout the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. So what we're going to do is we're going to shout hallelujah three times and Reuben's going to blow the biblical trumpet, the shofar. Okay, on the count of three, one, two, three. Hallelujah! 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 Yes! The Lord has gone up with a shout. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah! Okay, that's enough. Yes! Hallelujah! So when it says the Lord has gone up with a shout, it means he's exalted. He's exalted when we shout to him. He's exalted when Reuben blows the shofar for 10 minutes to him. <laughs> And then verse 6, it says, sing praises to God. You know, the Lord just loves it when we sing praises to him. So grateful that Thomas has lead us in praise. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. We're not going to do that now because we've already done that one. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. 
And then this you just declare. That's one way we do the Psalms is we declare them. God reigns over the nations. We declare God reigns over the nations. He sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together, the people of the God of Abraham, for the shields of the earth, that means the rulers of the earth, belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, isn't that a lot more fun than just reading it quietly? You know, with your head and not with your mouth. It's important to read the Psalms aloud and do what they say. So if they say to dance, you know, you can jump up and dance around your room. You you know, just express the Psalms. That's part of obeying the word. Okay, so let me just repeat a couple of comments. How are we doing? Psalm 1 is a Torah psalm. I don't know that I said that in the beginning. Psalm 1 is a Torah psalm. The Torah are the five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And Psalm 1 is the Torah psalm. It lays the foundation for everything else. Just like the Torah lays a foundation for the lifestyle of a servant of the Lord, of a person who belongs to the Lord. We read the Torah, the first five books of Moses, and we see what, are, what is God's heart, what's his plan, who he is. And, that, and so Psalm 1 is a Torah psalm. It lays a foundation, lays the groundwork, the basic differences between a wicked person and a godly person. So we're not to hang out with the wicked and learn their ways. We are to meditate in God's word and obey it. That will lead to a life of fruitfulness and blessing where the Lord knows us intimately and we know him intimately. The more you meditate in the Psalms, actually in the entire scriptures, but the more you meditate in it and you get it into your system and your heart and your spirit and it's implanted in your soul, it changes the way you think changes your perspective on life. It changes the way you interact with people. And you start abiding in Jesus. Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And that's because we have so aligned ourselves with the Lord and with his word that everything we pray is exactly what he would pray. It's what's in his heart. It's what's in his mind because his heart, his mind is in ours because we have invested time in the word to get it into our system, to change us from the inside out. We're renewed by the word. So I believe that through this study of the Psalms, as we engage in them together, as we engage in them privately in our, in our homes, we'll be challenged, we'll be fed and enriched spiritually. I encourage you to maybe get a separate notebook for the study of the Psalms. And as the Lord tells you things through the week, you can jot down a few things and then you can bring that notebook with you. That can be the notebook you take notes in in class and the one you share from at your tables. So next week, read Psalm 2, at least a few times. The first Psalm is the Torah Psalm. The second Psalm talks about the Messiah already. It's almost like bookends. You've got the beginning of Genesis, you've got Revelation. Jesus coming the first time, Jesus coming the second time. So anything that captures your attention, anything the Lord says to you, write that down and bring your notes and come ready to share on Sunday. This is what we, this is the plan here. We would like to start our class on time at 840 and we need to end on time at 940. So it's right now 937. I'm going to close in prayer. 
You'll have a couple of minutes you can chat with people, meet someone new, someone you don't know, and we'll make our way down and we'll go worship together in the gathering at 10. Yes, sir. We'll walk with the godly as we go out. Please, please, take, these, please take your song sheets with you. They have the prayer uh, guide at the bottom. Let's pray together before we jump up and run, okay? Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for speaking to us today through scripture. Lord, we don't want to be guilty of just hearing it and not doing a thing with it. So I pray that we would all walk tall as godly men and women with the kingdom of God established in our lives and through us as we walk throughout our week. I pray your blessing on your people. Lord, our goal, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you all.